is an honor and a privilege to be here with all of you today. Uh, we had a great time at our camp out. You know, great things happen when God's people come together. The Bible says that it is there that the command, the blessing of the Lord is. And there is a blessing upon what God does through the lives of people when we come together because last time I checked, when God decided to change the trajectory of all mankind, he came as a man, but that hasn't stopped. He still comes through men and women, through people. Come on and give God some praise. <clears throat> Our current series that we've been in is called Till the Walls Fall Down. And what we've been learning about is breakthroughs. You see, God wants to tear down walls in our lives. We all have them. We've all faced them. We all will come against them. And these walls are not meant to stay erected in our lives. They're not meant to keep us trapped. We're talking about walls that limit us from progress. We're talking about tearing down walls that blind us from the promises that God has given us and he's placed before us to press towards. We're talking about breaking down walls that overwhelm us because of their seemingly imposing size. We're talking about walls that restrict us from breaking free. Walls that stop us from stepping into all the new that God has for us. We're talking about breaking down the walls that stop us in the momentum that God has given us through Christ. And this study has been based on the moment where the people of Israel undertook the first of many military campaigns. They faced a city called Jericho. And Jericho had a history. Jericho had a reputation. You see, Jericho was a great city. It had impenetrable walls. The people that resided behind those walls were known as the Canaanites. And they were a fierce people. They were warriors. And so as the people of Israel went towards these walls, God told them, go. And if you will do what I command you, these walls will fall. Friend, I have good news for you. You may be facing some walls. You might feel trapped at times. But in the name of Jesus and by the declaration of God's word, those walls has to fall down. They have to. You were not created to be trapped. But you see, it has a lot to do with knowing the truth. Jesus said, and you shall know the truth. And the truth shall set you free. And so today I bring to you truth, friends. I don't bring you an opinion. I bring to you truth. One of the things that we began to see last week is that while God enacted a miracle where he brought these walls down, he did not do it alone. He included people in the process. And today we're going to pick up where we left off last week because we're going to see that God wants us to engage in this process in a number of ways. Today I want to talk to you on the topic of the power in your praise. There's power in your praise. Go ahead and turn to somebody and tell them there's power in your praise. Tell somebody else there's power in your praise. For those of you online, there's power in your praise. There is power in your praise. I want to show you this from scripture, lest you think I'm giving you an opinion. Joshua chapter 6, starting at verse 1, this is a foundational text that we've been leaning on the last several weeks, says, now the gates of Jericho were securely barred. They were barred because of the Israelites. Don't miss what this is telling us. 
The people within the walls that were protected by these large walls who had a reputation of just having W's, they had never taken an L. These people were trembling behind their walls because of the people outside the walls. They were trembling. The people outside the world were following the instruction that God gave them. I pray that for those of you that know this scripture, maybe you haven't heard it, that you would understand what the scripture means when it says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. That you would begin to latch onto the truth of the scripture that says that if God is for you and because he is for you, who can be against you? I'm telling you, walls are falling down. And so it says that no one went out and no one came in. And then the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. Along with its king and its fighting. Man, tell somebody the fight is fixed. Tell somebody else the fight is fixed. Listen, you've already won. The problem is some of us don't know it. So he says, march around the city once with all the armed men and do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark, and on the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. And when you hear the sound, when you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. I think maybe we knocked down a brick, maybe a part of the wall right now. We're doing all right, though. We're getting this, right? And then, listen, then, then, then the wall of the city will collapse. And the army will go up, everyone straight in. Friends, what we have here is recorded a miracle of God that included people. And as I stated a couple of weeks ago, I'll mention that again. God's instruction here was a military strategy. This was a blueprint to win. This was a blueprint for breakthrough. This was a breakthrough moment, but the people of God had to participate, and we cannot overlook this important part of this strategy. Notice that their army was not only made up of fighting men. It, would all, it was also made up of priests who praised. What are you talking about, Pastor? Let me tell you what I'm talking about. The only way... To win with God is to be the type of person who's ready to fight while always praising. It brings balance. And I don't know about you, but I know what it is to come from the mud. And I thank God every day for his mercy and his grace. I think each and every one of us has a reason to give God some praise. Come on in. Give a shout. Give a shout of praise if you believe that. Has not God been good? And this begins to teach us something. You know, oftentimes when facing the walls in our lives, we get battle ready. We get impulsive. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. We get all into our emotions. We create stories in our minds and we determine what the outcome is before we even take a step. Right? We, we, we act first and reap consequences later. Some of you, you pull out the Vaseline, you take off the earrings. If you know, you know. If you know, you know. You know what I'm talking about. Right? 
Then there are others of us that we, 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 we take a different approach. We take a spiritual approach. Right? We complain to God and call it prayer. We shout, we snort, we spittle as we rebuke the devil. Because it's all his fault. We played no part in it. We quote tons of scripture. And for some of us, we get real spiritual. Let me call all my Facebook prayer warriors. All my Instagram prayer warriors. Let me post something on TikTok. Because if we all get to praying, maybe, just maybe, just maybe God will hear. And then he'll do something. And friends, I'm not, I'm not belittling the act of going to God. I'm not belittling the act of complaining. The Bible says cast your cares upon him because he cares, not your complaints though. But God cares. But my point is that oftentimes when we're in the midst of our reactive approach to problems, we neglect a powerful tool that God has given us. It is a weapon that we wield. Because while we're reacting uh, uh, impulsively or we're reacting however spiritual we think we are, we're not praising God. We're praising problems. And we cannot approach walls in life without praise. Let me show you why your praise is so powerful. Isaiah 30, starting at verse 29, says this. And you will, what? Sing on the night you celebrate a holy festival. Your hearts will re, what? 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 They'll rejoice as when people playing pipes go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the rock of Israel. And the Lord will cause people to hear his majestic voice. And will make them see his arm coming down with raging anger and consuming fire, with cloudbursts and thunderstorm and hail. And the voice of the Lord will shatter Assyria. That's an enemy. With his rod, he will strike them down. Verse 32 says, Every stroke the Lord lays on them with his punishing club will be, on the, will be to the music of timbrels and harps as he fights them in battle with the blows of his arm. What the prophet Isaiah is revealing here to us by inspiration of God's Holy Spirit is this. That God works in the midst of praise. You may not know this, friend, but your praise is a weapon. Your praise is a weapon. Because your praise paves the path for God's power. It creates a space, a place for God to work. Lest you think I'm giving you my own opinion, the scripture clearly declares that God inhabits the praises of his people. What the scripture says is that where his people praise, God makes his dwelling. God rests there. Hey, instead of praising your problems, why don't you try praising God instead? Watch what happens. So today I want to give you just, just three simple things. Three simple things. Three, three powerful life-changing truths that are going to draw us to the scriptures and we're going to glean truth. We're going to, drink, we're going to glean power. We're going to glean strategy to see walls come down in our lives. 
And according to what we see in the scripture, the reason why God specifically instructed the priests to be placed at the front of the ark of the covenant was because as they led with praise, God worked in power. You can't lose sight of the imagery here. The fighting men were armed with swords, but the priests were armed with praise. You are armed with praise. The Bible says that you are a chosen people, a holy priesthood, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. That you are his prized and special possession. So the first point that I want you to consider as it pertains to praise is that praise puts our problems in their proper context. Let me say that again. Praise puts our problems in their proper context. Now, the word context here is interesting because context is simply the circumstances, the details that form the setting in an event in terms which they can be fully understood or assessed. Simply put, it's the details that we don't pay attention to that make up the big picture, right? And the reason why the people of Israel experienced so great a victory on this day was because they were not acting in response to the context posed by the walls they saw. They were not responding to the walls. They were not proceeding based upon their understanding of the people behind those walls. They were not moved by opinion or their track history of winning. They weren't operating according to the context determined by the circumstances. No, friends, they were acting according to the context of their God who fights for them. Romans 8 verse 28 says that God works out all things, all things, all things for the good to those who are called according to his purposes. Friend, God is working even while you're worrying. And oftentimes we place the emphasis of the context on problems, on people, on opinions, on the news. And we dismiss the real context that we have, which is a God who's for you and will always see you through. What this teaches us is that the context for our problems cannot be based on our circumstances. Friend, let me say this to you in love. If you feel trapped today, if, if you feel like your life story is, I'm just going around in circles and getting nowhere. I'm not happy. I'm unfulfilled. I feel far from God. I feel worthless. I don't know my purpose. If that's where you find yourself, or maybe you're not exactly there. You trust God. You've seen God come through in your life, but some things just don't make sense. Maybe you're in the state of that holding pattern where you're waiting while worshiping, but that doesn't mean that it doesn't grow weary at times. Whatever situation you are in, you must know this, that your context is not based upon what cons you. The circumstances, what people say, what you Feel. Feelings are fickle, friend. Feelings are fake. Now, I'm not saying you, we, we, we should be emotionless people. We feel. But if you live your life on feelings, yeah, that's not going to work. 
doesn't work. And so our context must always be based upon God. Upon God. See, the power of praise, now for, I get it, for some of us we think praise is singing songs, right? How many of you love to praise, right? You're going, wait, I, I, I thought praising was singing songs. Wait, I don't, know if, I don't know if I should answer that. It's all right, right? Some of us think that praise is singing songs. That's a part of it, right? Some of us sing, think that the power of our praise is unleashed by the words that we declare. Right? Some of us think that the power of our praise is released as we pray. But you see, friends, the power of our praise is not unleashed in the songs that we sing. Mm -mm, not at all. The power of our praise is unleashed as the songs we sing, the words we declare, the prayers we pray, rightly refocus our attention upon the context of the God that we serve. Praise has nothing to do with songs. Has very little to do with songs. Has very little to do with raising your hands. Has very little to do with doing all these churchy things. Praise is a tool that refocuses us and gives us details, give us, gives us discernment as to the things that God is doing in the unseen so that we might see the future that he's promised us. Yeah, praise is a powerful tool. It's a weapon. Let me show you this from Scripture. Psalm 100, starting at verse 1. It says, shout. That wasn't the east side or the west side. That was like south side. I heard the echo. The Bible says, shout. So, all right, all right, guys, calm down because I need to read this. <laughs> it says, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Shout for joy, all to, to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord, your God, he is, he, the, that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. What we're seeing here in the scripture is that praise, <laughs> praise is about focusing on the proper context. See, praise is powerful because it reminds us to focus upon the Lord as our God instead of our problems as a God. Yeah, praise reminds us that God is present, that we're subject to God, not subject to the circumstances. It reminds us that we can be thankful and we can praise because the Lord is good. And he only does good. Don't blame God for your tragedies, friends. Here's the truth. People do some messed up stuff. And sometimes we do it. Don't point it on God. The scripture says that he does not tempt any man. He does nothing to lead you into evil. 
Maybe you've suffered some loss. Maybe you've gone through, you're going through a tough time. It's not God. God is good. The Bible says that he leads us, right? That, that it's his goodness that leads us to repentance, to turn around. God leads you according to good, not the bad. See, we always have a reason to praise God, but oftentimes we focus so much on the bad that we miss a good God in the midst of it. And so it refocuses our attention because praise is like the needle on a compass. Wherever you set a compass, that needle will always point true north. No matter which way you turn it, no matter if you flip it, it will always point true north. Friends, praise always points you back to a true God. True God. I've made so many mistakes. My life is a mess. God can still make your life a message. Get back to true north. Refocus on God. The second thing that I want to leave you with here is that praise brings us into the right company. Let me say that again. Praise brings us into the right company. Yeah, what am I talking about? Praise is powerful because it not only raises our awareness of God, it also attracts the right people into our lives. I'll prove it to you. You start praising around some people that all they talk about is problems and watch them cut tail. Don't you cry about those people leaving you. You don't need them. See, praise attracts power. It attracts resources. When God sent the nation of Israel into Jericho, he sent an army of priests and an army of fighting men. An army of priests and an army of fighting men. But the thing is this, that the priests led the way. But the reason why the armies, the men, the fighting men of war followed with confidence is because they were a new generation. Let me give you some quick context of what I'm talking about here. Prior to this moment, the nation of Israel has spent 40 years in the desert. 40 years unnecessarily in the desert, walking around in circles and not realizing it. Somebody say, duh. duh. Like, duh. Like, you didn't notice that tree and that bush and those, like, the same circle for 40 years. It was supposed to take two weeks. 40 years. But you know why they walked around in circles for 40 years? Because they complained when God was doing great things. God sets them free from the nation of Egypt. They were slaves there. And here they are. Complaining, man, those tortones and pernil were amazing back there while they whipped us. All right, I'm, I'm sorry. That curry goat, it was amazing while we were in Egypt. Right? Whatever, anyway. They were complaining, crying and complaining. God is good. He's delivered them from their captors. He's leading them to a land of promise, and they're complaining and crying. So God says, these people can't go into the promised land because they will destroy the promise. They will tear apart what I am building up in them. And so for 40 years, they walked around in circles, and that whole generation died, and now a new generation rises up of fighting men. And all these guys know is, 
where the Ark of the Covenant goes, where the presence of God goes, we follow and we praise and we fight. And so here they are now following the right company. Why? Because the right company was made up of people that praised. What's the point with that? Friends, if you're busy uh, gossiping, complaining, crying, moaning, groaning the whole time, and you're surrounding yourself with people that cheer you on with that, I feel your pain, I know your struggle, I'm right there with you, he left me too, they did me wrong. Can I tell you, friends, you can only rise to the level of your lid. You got to take that lid off. You don't need those people. You need to start praising. You need to start looking higher and declaring according to higher things. Because when you start praising God, problems, walls begin to fall. They begin to fall. And for some of us, the reason why we are surrounded with the wrong people, people that fight against our faith, is because all we do is talk about problems. There's no praise that comes from our mouth. See, praise is an equalizer. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Instead of talking, complaining, and giving praise to your problem in conversations with people that do nothing to help you, nothing to encourage you, and nothing to point you to the wisdom of God, start praising God, expressing gratitude, sharing God's track history in your life of faithfulness, and watch what begins to happen. You'll begin to attract the right people and repel the bugs. You know, mosquitoes, they're blood suckers. You don't need people that suck the life out of you. You need people that add life to you because they praise with you. Come on and give God some praise. Psalm 111 verses 1 and 2 puts it this way. Praise the Lord. I will extol the Lord with all my heart. Watch this. In the council of the upright and in the assembly. Great are the works of the Lord. They are pondered by all who delight in them. What we begin to see here is that praise attracts the counsel of upright people, of wise people, of people that celebrate God instead of celebrating problems. I remember years ago when we first stepped out to start uh, what is now known as Church at the Bridge, um, we did it in the most unconventional way. We, we had no launch team. We had no financial support. We had none of that. We didn't even have people. We did, we did. I'm telling you, we didn't. We didn't know that people would show up to our house. We, we, we Talk about faith. We believed that God would send people without us telling anybody. And let me tell you, 12 people found their way to our house that first service. January 5th, 2014. So we did it completely unconventional. And I remember a good friend of mine. I won't mention his name, Lewis, in case he's watching. Um, he gets wind that something's brewing, right? And he says, he says, Jose. Like, just like that. Like, with concern in his voice. Jose. He says, 
I, I, what's this that you're, you're, you're moving on and you're starting a church? And he says, well, well you got two kids in college and you, you have a wife and you have a mortgage and you have a vehicles and you have a dog. <laughs> he says, and you have no, no financial support. Like, like how are you going to do this? You know, are you, are you sure God's a click? Click. You know, in the South, I've had the opportunity over the last couple of years to really build some good relationships with men and women of God in ministry we have all over the country. And, you know, some of my favorite people are from the South. Because in the South, they have this little phrase, right, where they're insulting you with a smile. And it sounds so godly. They go, oh, bless your heart. Bless your heart. Bless your heart. This was one of those bless your heart moments with me and Lewis. Bless your heart. Click. Bye, Felicia. Ain't got no time for that. You remember back in the days in Living Color? Homie, don't play that. That's right. We don't play that. So he starts expressing these concerns. But I was busy praising God because of what he revealed to us. Friends, I'm telling you, we didn't pull out some scripture from a hat and say, God must be speaking. Like, we moved on a word from God. We took a step based on what God showed us in Isaiah 41. Let me read it to you real quick. It's not in our notes but I'll share it with you because we're going to allude to it in a little bit. It says, the poor and needy seek water. This is Isaiah 41 starting at verse 17. The poor and the needy seek water, but there is none. Their tongues fail for thirst. I, the Lord, will hear them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I will open up rivers in desolate heights. When it talks about heights, it's talking about cities. Yeah. I'm going to open up rivers in desolate cities and fountains in the midst of the valley, and I will make the wilderness a pool of water. That's talking about a desert. And he says, and the dry land springs of water. I will plant the wilderness in the wilderness the cedar and the acacia tree, the myrtle and the oil tree. I will set in the desert the cypress tree, and the pine and the box tree together, these are trees that don't grow in deserts. That they may see and know and consider and understand together that the hand of the Lord has done this and the Holy One of Israel has created it. Friends, when I came across that scripture, I was a youth pastor and I was struggling. Everything was good in ministry, but I was struggling because I sensed this pull. And my wife, who sounds a lot like the Holy Spirit, was telling me, the Lord is telling us it's time to take a step. And somebody say, duh. duh. Me, on the other hand, I was like, I'm praying about it. But I wasn't. And I said, Lord, you're going to have to show me from your word. And when I saw this, when I read this almost 10 years ago, what the Lord showed me was a city coming back to life was a region going from darkness to light was a place where people worshipped God 
and came together regardless of their backgrounds, of their upbringings, of their social economic status, of their understandings, of people where all people could reflect what heaven looks like. We're different, but yet we're united by the same blood of Jesus, called for the same purpose for God and his kingdom and his church and the lives of people. Today we stand here. Why? Bless his heart, Lewis. Because we had to shut that down. We had to stand. Friends, I'm telling you that you have to praise because it brings the right company into your mess. The last point I want to leave you with here today is that the only way to praise through your walls is to praise before you arrive at them. Hear clearly where I'm coming from with this. The only way to praise through your walls is to praise before you arrive at them. You know, the people of Israel <clears throat> had to walk in praise before they could shout in power. They had to do what God told them to do. And what this teaches us, friends, is that oftentimes we start praising God when the problems show up. But there's a problem with that. Because if you only praise God when there's problems... You're not prepared when they do come. You see, praise is a way of life. Well, how do I praise God if it's not so much about singing songs? Friends, praise is actually about ascribing to God the worth that he holds in our lives. It's about focusing our attention upon him. It's about living in a way that follows his ways. Friends, you can choose to follow Jesus, but you can't choose how to follow Jesus. We can't choose how to follow Jesus. We can't do that. We can't claim to follow Jesus, but try and drag him along into our error. Can't do that. It doesn't work. See, the only way your walls are going to come down is if you're prepared when you face them. And that's where praise comes into the mist. See, praise cannot proceed out of our problems. Praise has to precede, precede them. It has to precede them. It is a proactive as opposed to a reactive response to God. Let me show you this from Scripture as we come to a close. We're going to do something special today. Psalm 145, verses 1 and 3 says this. I will exalt you, my God the King. I will praise your name, listen to this, forever and ever. I will praise you forever. Great is the Lord and most worthy. I'm sorry, every day I will praise you and extol your name. How many days? Every day. Every day. Every day, every day I will praise you and I will extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. Don't miss this point. Most worthy of praise. We don't praise God because we have to. We praise God because he's worth it. Because he is the most valuable asset that we possess. He exceeds 401Ks. He exceeds real estate properties. He exceeds possessions. 
He exceeds the accolades of people, the likes that we get, the follows that we get, the thousands of people that subscribe to our channel. None of that compares to the worth that God brings into our life. And I'm going to tell you something about praising God from the standpoint of assets. What you appreciate in value appreciates. What you do with God in your life will only add to your life. How you respond to God, the choices that you make that align themselves with his word, the things that you do to honor God, never mind the people. We don't honor people because of people. We honor people because of the God that created them in his image and his likeness. We ascribe worth to God and we appreciate it. And it continues to add to our lives. And so the scripture says, great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. Friends, King David was a man who made a mess of his life. But the thing about David is that while he created many messes throughout his life, David was in the habit of praising God. Not when it was seen. It was when it was unseen. David loved the Lord. Can I say this with confidence here today? I look at many faces here. Some of you I don't see. You're online. Some of you we've never met. But whoever you are, here's what I can tell you just by gauging the room, engaging what God is doing here. That each and every one of us is seeking God. There's something that keeps us coming back to him. No matter how long, no matter the distance, no matter the challenges, no matter the destruction. Friends, distance doesn't change relationship with God. He's always been near. And he's trying to take our messes and make them a message. He's trying to show us that in the midst of our challenges, the things that we do right and the things that we don't do right, that he's still there. See, when David killed a man because he wanted his wife, God was there. When David violated the command of God and he numbered the people when God told him, don't do it because it's going to feed your pride, and then 70,000 people died because of it, God was still there. When David made a mess of his household, he was a great king, but he was a horrible father. He was a great leader of people, but he was a horrible leader in his home. God was still there. And his praise had a way of bringing him back to true north. Friends, don't wait to come to this facility to praise God. Praise God every day. Why? Because he's worth it and he's working in your life. Come on and give God some praise this day. Honey, would you come over here? Isn't she lovely? <laughs> hey, it's all right. 
It's all right. <laughs> you know, today as we end this message, we have great reason to praise. I was sharing with you scripture that God gave me, gave us when we first started this ministry, when we felt called out of Isaiah 41. And as I've been meditating on that the last couple of days, the Lord reminded me of something. He reminded me of something. He reminded me why we're here. And he reminded me what this, the purchase of this building that we closed on this past Monday is really about. If you follow the scriptural example that we have, the scripture says that what you sow, you reap. The Bible refers to us as his people, as his church, as a planting of the Lord. He calls us oaks of righteousness in Isaiah 61. And it's interesting because in Isaiah 41, the Lord says, I'm going to do something in a desert place, in desolate places. I'm going to raise up cedar trees. And, and, and I'm going to raise up acacia trees and myrtle trees and olive trees and box trees. And as I was meditating upon that, and I began to study it more, what I realized is that the Lord was calling us to be planted. Let me tell you something about these trees that aren't supposed to grow in the midst of deserts. The cedar tree was the only tree that they took wood from to build altars. It was the wood that they used to fashion the temple that Solomon built. Cedar is indicative of purification. Acacia trees symbolize strength and indestructibility. Myrtle trees were trees that provided great shade from the heat and the elements. Olive trees symbolize oil, but more so anointing. It is the power of God. It is the blessing of God. It is the calling of God. The box trees that Isaiah 41 talks about were small trees that were more like bushes that were used to create borders, but also to establish a boundary of protection. And when we closed this Monday, as I was signing and I was meditating on it, my wife says to me, you're, you're a little quiet. You all right? I was just meditating on what God is doing. Because, friends, what God has done in allowing us to go from tenants to owners is to establish a foothold that says, in this house and through this house, God will bring purity, God will bring healing, God will bring help to the hopeless, God will begin to raise up his name in a greater fashion. Listen. We do not claim to be better than any church. We believe in one church, capital C. We believe in the church of Jesus Christ. And we are honored and privileged to play a part of that in this region and wherever the Lord takes us. And so what we've done by closing on this building and now being owners in this city is this. We announce that the kingdom of God is come and the will of God will be done. Come on and give God some praise. Let's stand to our feet.
What we want to do today is to dedicate this building. You might say, well, Pastor, we've been in here for a while. Yeah, we have, but we were, we were tenants. We were not owners. But here's what we know as owners. It's not ours. We are stewards. Entrusted by God with a resource, a tool to advance his kingdom. And so today in dedicating this facility, I want you to do something with me. Whether this is your first time or your millionth time, I want you to touch a chair. If you're by a wall, touch a wall. Whatever that is. I want you to join with us in dedicating this facility. We are dedicating it to the King of Kings. We're dedicating it for the purposes of God. We're dedicating it for Christ our King and Him alone. This isn't about us. This isn't about a brand. This is about the purposes of God, the heart of God, to touch a city, to move in a region, to lift lives. Would you join with us? Today we're going to pray. Father, we are just so grateful. Grateful for the privilege, Lord, to be your hands and your feet. To participate in what you want to do in this region. Your word says, Lord, that your will is that none should perish, but that all would come to salvation. Lord, in the purchase of this building, I ask you boldly this request. Give us 30,893 people. Give us the heart of this city. Lord, use this house as a beacon of light. Use this house as a house of hope. Use this house as a place where the hurting and the healed can come together and you can move, and you can do, and you can lead, and you can touch what you want to do, Lord, in this region and beyond. Lord, we are your people, called by your name, here for your purposes. And we declare that this house is committed for what you want to do in the lives of people near and far. We declare that in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Come on and give God some praise in this house. Hey everybody, thank you so much for joining us here at Church of the Bridge today. I pray that you had a personal encounter with God, that he spoke to you powerfully, and that he met you at your place of need with this message. I also want to encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube page. By doing so, you'll be able to check out past messages, uh, past events that we've done. You'll also be able to see what's happening now and those things that are to come. And lastly, I'd like to invite you to join with us in all that God is doing with your giving. Feel free to do so on our website. Again, thank you again for joining us, and I can't wait to connect with you next week.